at least uh, th through technology. I wish I could be there personally, but my family trumped that one. Oh, by the way, we're having a family reunion right now. And Ross said, hey, just put this on tape. If you talk to our people, they know you some. They'll believe that uh, you'd love to be here. And truly, I would. I just uh, love this church. First, I love Ross. I've been close to him now for the last several years. I'm so impressed with Ross. Behind the scenes, I'm telling you, I'm impressed with this guy. I really love him, and uh, I love uh, the opportunities I've had to learn more about Canoe Creek and even to be with you. I'll be with a bunch of you guys coming up this weekend. All the real men are going to show up for the Soul Care Summit coming. You know, uh, uh, Soul Care ain't for sissies, so uh, the real guys are going to show up. But, you know, there may be some stress points on the home front because of things that are swirling, and uh, some of you gals that I could use some help with the kids. I can tell you this. If... Uh, your husband is able to go to this men's retreat, you're going to get a better husband on the other side of that retreat. So I hope that we're going to blow the doors off with this and uh, we're going to see a big bunch of guys from Canoe Creek. I look forward to being with you uh, this next weekend. So that's going to be a great celebration. But truthfully, when you look at life correctly, every day is a celebration. There's always reasons for us to rejoice. Personally, I'm rejoicing a whole lot lately. This is like a special, unusual, extraordinary season of celebration for me as uh, I'm celebrating the publication of my first and my wife says last book. So uh, the day that it arrived via Amazon, uh, I uh, didn't even open the book, frankly, I said, okay, it's time to go to lunch. Let's uh, head out for some fine dining, a barbecue. And we're sitting there at the table, and uh, the server comes over, and she says, uh, hey, how you guys doing? I said, great, we're celebrating. Oh, really? What are you celebrating? I said, this, my new book just came out. Oh, what's it about, she says. I said, well, it's about uh, soul strength. What's that? Those rhythms for thriving. It's all about thriving in life and relationships. And she goes, wow, wow. Um, I think I need to get that book. <laughs> I, I need to buy that book. And so, well, let me ask you a question. Have, lately, have you been merely surviving in life or would you say you've been thriving? And she said, frankly, I've just been surviving. Well, at the end of the meal, uh, uh, we left a generous tip and then it occurred to us, well, we ought to leave a, a, a lot more money than that uh, to help her uh, get her own book. So I guess you could say I'm now paying people to buy this and read this book. And I see that as a good thing to do. It's a relational investment, uh, if you will. I am confident that this will bring some great results in her life and I hope even in yours. I love the encouraging words from Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. For as long as God gives me life, I want to invest in others who will live forever. I don't want to merely survive in life. I want to thrive in life, and I'm certain that's true for you. But let's do a little uh, press-pause moment and see how it's going. Has that been true for you lately? Have you been thriving lately? Or would you say you're just getting by, just surviving? Frankly, some of the circumstances we all face are challenging. Some are even daunting. Uh, some, well, could be absolutely overwhelming. 
some of you are going through an extraordinarily challenging time. But the issue is, are you determined to just uh, go through it or are you determining to grow through it? We all need to make the daily choice to grow through whatever is happening, to live for what matters most by first celebrating the people that matter the most to us. Now, we can't be close to everyone, of course not, but we must enjoy life-giving relationships with some others who really want the best for us. People who want the best for us. That's absolutely essential to thriving. Thriving is all about well-being. How do I know that? I got that from the Bible, actually. It's amazing what happens when you read the Bible. Psalm 35, verse 27. King David once prayed, The Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. Frankly, too many times my uh, stinking thinking, my substandard theology has led me to patterns that were far from conducive to my well-being. Most of the best lessons I've learned have been learned the hard way. I was thinking about that just the other day in the context of a verse in Psalm 119 that says, it was good for me to be afflicted, O Lord, that I might learn thy decrees. Some of those things that I've been afflicted by, if you will, some of the suffering I've gone through has brought me to the place of the better understanding. And that's enabled me to uh, grow through challenges and even help others to do the same. Well, the lessons that I'm most uh, concerned about sharing now are all rooted in well-being. I used to talk a lot about personal disciplines. I used to talk about goals and habits and so on. But now I prefer to talk about life rhythms. I love that word. Rhythms, what well, sounds like grace to me, not guilt. Guilt may be a short-term motivator, but only grace works well for the long term. Grace, well, that's life-giving. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy Sort of sounds like COVID-19, doesn't it? But he said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Wow. A rich and satisfying life. This is what we all want to enjoy. We don't want to merely survive to the finish line. We want to thrive. The prophet Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Your soul is the most important part of you because it's the only part of you that's eternal. Now, self-care isn't selfish and neither is soul care. Soul care is all about thriving. Now, I've been trying to crack the code of transformative soul care for decades. Clearly, transformation is not a destination, but a journey. And that journey must not be taken alone. The missing element in spiritual transformation for many people, even for many in Christian leadership, is life with the right people. We all need to encircle ourselves with a core of healthy others, who are actively seeking the best, both for themselves and for us. We all need partners, partners in pursuing soul strength. Tending to your soul in partnership with others is a practice that's actually uh, rooted in the very beginning of creation. 
It's established in the earliest pages of uh, time. Scripture makes this clear in Genesis chapter 2. Here we read that God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, frankly, I used to think that statement from Genesis chapter 2 applied only to men in marriage. Clearly, that's true for most men. And uh, I hear reports that it's actually true for most women as well. But that's not all. Every one of us <clears throat> was built for community, for connection. We were hardwired for this, hardwired to connect with both our heads and our hearts. Together is better. Together, the good times are more enjoyable. Together, the hard times are more bearable. Everything is better together. Life alone is a miserable life. I just uh, read two psychiatrists that wrote a book called The Lonely American, and they noted that psychiatry has worked hard to destigmatize things like depression, and to a large part has been successful. They say people are comfortable saying they're depressed, but these days they're not comfortable in saying they're lonely. To say you're lonely is like admitting that you're sort of like the kid sitting alone in the school cafeteria. The author that I picked that line up from was commissioned to do a study on loneliness. And after completing his research, he had to admit that he personally had no active friendships. Sadly, that's how many leaders feel these days. While they may have professional, casual relationships with many people, they have personal relationships with very few. Some have in-depth relationships with no one. And maybe that's you right now. When I've been asked about the heart condition of leaders these days, I sum it up like this. They're running scared. They're constantly chasing the call to be relevant. They're running on fumes. Uh, they got the kind of tired that a good night's sleep won't fix. And worst of all, they're running alone. They're feeling that no one really knows them at their core. Now, frankly, I have personal experience with uh, all three of these. During one of the times of great struggle during my ministry, I was on the scary brink of emotional exhaustion. And as I shared my soul to please you with my wife, Linda strongly challenged me by saying, it can't be God's will for your life to be doing everything you're doing if you're feeling the way you're feeling. Now, my wife doesn't have the mercy gift. <laughs> uh, my wife has the wisdom gift. And that was a catalytic comment. And changes didn't all come overnight, but they did begin that night. I knew that I needed to get some help from some healthy others. This I know, your life and mine will never be any richer than our relationships. The Christian life is never a solo affair. Our enemy wants to isolate us. That's his plan. God wants to connect us. Now, everyone has a series of circles of life, but social scientists say that there's a limit to the number of people that we can really be close to. Now, some people migrate from one circle to the next. That's inevitable over time. What you need to consider is this question. 
Who are the ones in your circle that are your friends for life? That is, your most life-giving friends. Now, picture it this way. as a series of circles, circles of life. Of course, you're in the center there. That's you, uh, the self, you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's not enough just to have Jesus in your life. You need others who uh, are representing Christ in your life. You have five intimates, let's say, family, maybe some close friends. Then you have 15 that would be in a category of really good friends. And you have a larger uh, number in your friendship circle, 50 or so, and maybe 150, the acquaintance category. Now, some of you say, well, I've got way more than that because I'm on Facebook. Well, we're not talking about people that you're just sort of technologically connected with. We're talking about people that you are personally investing in or investing in you. You're on a first name basis with them. You know something about them. They know something about you. Now, all of these people in the larger circles would be in the category of circles of life. We've all got them. But only the inner three circles might be called our friends for life. And I'll, I'll put that uh, descriptive as uh, the ones that uh, are the most life-giving friends. Now, that's not dismissing the value of anyone, but rather to recognize that we all have a limited amount of time and energy. The good news is that, yeah, we're called to love everyone, but the good news is we're not called to be close to everyone. There's just not enough time and energy. We can't do that. We all have some limitations. Well, those closest to us will always be the ones that have the greatest influence upon us. And guess what? We get to choose them. This I know, soul strength is contagious. We catch it from those we choose to be in deep community with us. Now, more good news. You don't need a lot of people in your life. You just need the right life-giving people in your life. Without exception, everyone needs a sort of relational oasis. So who might you know that could join you on a soul-strengthening journey? You just need a few. Begin with just one, if, if necessary. The key is a mutual desire not just to survive in life and leadership, but to thrive. This we all know, life is messy, but it doesn't have to be lonely. One of the passages that has really gripped me is a simple verse from Proverbs 14, verse 26. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. And what hit me as I was pondering that one morning is that my work is uh, rarely physical. My work is almost entirely relational. Now, I've always found some satisfaction in doing some simple things. Uh, when the sun is shining in the summer, I love to mow my lawn. Why? Because I love to see results. And when we have a decent day and I can pull it off, in the winter, I love to wash my car or uh, clean the garage. Again, why? Because I can see results. By contrast, my assignments in life aren't usually the sort in which I can see immediate results. My assignments are mostly in the intangible area of relationships. And that's why I, I daily invest in others. Most days, it's mostly ordinary stuff. However, some days, 
are interrupted by challenging things that are stunning to me and to those who are sharing uh, their struggles with me, while others are, I, some days are just punctuated with uh, one joyful celebration after another. You never know what's going to happen on any given day. Every day of my life involves people, and they are absolutely unpredictable. For me, every day is meaningful because I get to invest in people. C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Nothing matters more than living for what will live on with others who will live on. Your relational investments will be your greatest reward and the reason you are most remembered. So how do you want to be remembered? This is a timely question for me as I begin uh, the final chapter of my life. I will soon be 75, which means I'm about to enter the final quarter. <laughs> the final quarter. Well, what if I've only got 25 years left? I think I may, maybe less. I'm not sure. I don't know how much time I've got left. Do you know how much time you've got left? However many days, months, years, how do you want to invest those? How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered for investing in other people to the point that they flourish. I would love for it to be said of me, his fruit grows on other people's trees. <laughs> and that's why I daily seek to sow life-giving relational seeds. Guys, don't judge a day based on the harvest you reap. Judge a day on the seeds that you sow. I love how Galatians 6 is paraphrased in the message. Let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Who's closest to you in the community of faith? Now, we can impress people from a distance. You might even be able to impress people from time to time on Facebook. But you're only going to be able to influence people personally. Influence flows face to face. Those are the relational seeds that produce the greatest results. We are all sowing seeds as we journey through life. And as they say, we always reap what we sow, we always reap later than we sow, and we always reap more than we sow. I love the statement in Psalm 126, a passage that means so much to us. We sow in tears, but we reap with songs of joy. Every day, we must choose to plant seeds in hope, trusting God for the harvest that's yet to come, even if that harvest is long after we're gone. And that's why I frequently pray, Lord, help me to live for what will live on with others who will live on. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus chose the 12 apostles, we're told in Mark 3 that he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. Now, I know you've had this happen. You're reading the Bible and suddenly a certain phrase, some words just pop. They just jump off the page. It's almost like they're highlighted by the Holy Spirit just for you. And that's what's happened for me over the years. Every time I get to Mark 3, 14, Jesus is reminding us all that it's not just a matter of what you do in life or where you go in life, 
but who it is that you're doing these things and going places with you. Who's with you as you do these things? Who's with you as you go these places? We seem to forget that Jesus lived on earth in community. Have you thought about it? Jesus was actually in a small group. Pretty amazing. At the end of your days, you will consider your greatest assets to be the ones in the tightest circles with you. Your relational assets will be your greatest. True belongings are not your possessions. Your true belongings are those to whom you belong and who belong to you. So it's not too soon to think about the relational legacy that you're going you're to leave. These are the people that are most likely to show up and tear up and who knows, maybe even speak up in your memorial service. Who will they be? So are you ready for that? Are you ready to die? Oh, let's just say today. That's the question that often grips me every morning. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.4, a wise person thinks a lot about death. When it comes to the length of our lives, neither you nor I have any guarantee. It occurred to me just a few minutes ago, this could be the last message that I ever share. This could be the last message you ever hear. And if that's the case, of this I'm certain, the finest legacy anyone can leave is a rich heritage of relationships. It's a life of love that invests in other people, all the while pointing to the eternal one who's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord over life and over death. An awareness of the temporariness of life is the gift of God that brings meaning to life. We're each called to invest and enjoy each day compliments of God. Think about it this way. This is a day we have never seen before. And this is a day, this day, we'll never see again. It just may be our last. Now, some of you think that is a pretty sad statement, but I don't mean it that way. I, I don't mean it to prompt sadness, but rather soberness and thoughtfulness. How will you invest your remaining days and years? What relationships will you pour yourself into? Will you invest in that which will last forever? What legacy of love will you enjoy through all eternity? Make no mistake, your identity will determine your destiny. Your identity with Jesus Christ and with others in the body of Christ. A kind of fraternity for eternity. This fraternity that will last forever. All of us want to finish well, don't we? How would you define that? Here's what makes sense to me. Finishing well is more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning. Finishing well means more closely connected with others, closely connected to him. Several weeks ago, after speaking to 700 leaders in Savannah, I had lunch with just one. This young man was recently on the staff of a national leader whose massive ministry collapsed in a matter of months. 
Many of you would know who I'm talking about. The church went from zero to 15,000 in 15 years and went from 15,000 to zero in 100 days. My young friend was on the staff of that church, and he's still reeling from the collateral damage of that and is now no longer focusing on the big stage of a mega church, but on small circles of soul care in a new church. And because I know his heart, I encouraged him with this. I said, I'm not just concerned about you finishing well. I believe you will. I'm concerned with who will finish with you. That was a bell ringer for him. He paused, wrote it down, said, I believe I've just heard from God. How long has it been since you heard from God? This I know. It's not the big stuff for which you're going to be remembered. It's not your resume. It's your relational legacy. Your legacy of love. By God's grace, may you join with me in building life-giving relationships by living for what will live on with others who will live on. And everybody said to that, amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity I've had to uh, uh, become a good friend of Ross and for the investment he's made in me and the privilege I've had to invest in him and now this ministry he loves. We're so thankful that you called us to do life together. We thank you, Lord, that you are blessing us to help others connect. Pray for those who feel disconnected this day, that you'll help them to see that it's never too late to make a fresh start and a new beginning, and that by your grace, the best is always still yet to be. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.